Hey, everybody, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting right next to me is Jenny. Hello. And 111 miles to our southwest. That's Megan. I feel like we're on fast forward. This is not one and a half times speed of actual recording. I'm preventing people from using that method to listen to us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we've got so much to get into and absolutely no time to waste, so let's get into it. The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Jenny. Well, we don't have anything to pop because you popped yours before the podcast, and I drank too much on Saturday, and I'm not drinking. Cool. Megan, save the segment. Okay. Um, also, Saturday, and it's, it's what, we're at Thursday, so you're still hungover? I am. I'm pretty sure I had a four-day hangover. Well, we're old. That happens. So, all well, right. So, I've got some mum. I'm going to pop this sucker. Here we go. Very nice, Megan. Thank you very much. That was the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. But we didn't cheers or anything. That's a cheers to the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. Now, let's head on into Rampage for May 20th, 2022. We open up with the House of Black versus Evil Uno, number 10, and their little buddy Fuego Del Sol. As far as a little preview of maybe what we could have to expect from uh, Double or Nothing against the Against the uh, Death Triangle, this was probably not quite up to that par, but still a pretty fun little uh, six-man tag. Yeah, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Yeah, and of course, Brody King finished at the Lariat and a Gonzo Bomb on Evil Uno. Uh, Anthony Bones is hurt. Oh no. So, mm. Billy and uh, Max wish him well, and uh, and they're going to have a big scissor party when he comes back. Yep, yep they are. <laughs> Uh, we get FTR accepting the challenge that Rapungi Vice uh, made the previous uh, two nights on uh, Dynamite, and they say that when they win that match, they are going to go after the IWGP Tag Team Titles. Uh, next up, Sean Spears against this Giant of the Week. It's Big Damo, the former <laughs> Killian Dane of NXT. That's who that was. And, uh, yeah, he's bald now. <laughs> oh, unrecognizable without all the hair. Yeah, and he's probably glad for it, too, because Sean Spears squashed him in a minute 40 uh, and sent him back on his way. Uh, <sighs> Undisputed Elite, very excited about Kyle and Adam, you know, being in the finals, which, spoiler alert, does not happen. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then the Bucks uh, say, basically, like, hey, we're going to fight them hardies. Takes us to an Owen Hart Foundation quarterfinal, Red Velvet versus Chris Statlander. I thought this was like the pleasant surprise of the evening. What a what a what a match between these two. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't have a high expectations, but I I thought they worked really well together. They worked very well together. Chris Statlander got the win with a roll-up. Uh, and I was kind of thinking, man, I, I think I would have gone with Red Velvet in that situation. Just because she's like on the upswing, I guess. I I don't know. It's not like Chris Statlander. Really like Chris Statlander. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we get a little bit of a promo package with uh, Hook and uh, Danhausen and Tony Nese and and Mark Sterling and and Hook and Nese are both, I would say, doing better in the gym than their partners. But uh, you know, we'll see how it plays out at uh, Double or Nothing on the buy-in. Danhausen hung from a bar for like thirty seconds. I think that. Indicate strength of some kind. I must, yeah. <laughs> At the men of the year, they're out to uh, to demand 
that Sammy Guevara returned the TNT title to Scorpio Sky. Sammy and uh, Ty Conti are backstage outside somewhere, and uh, they have a sledgehammer and they smash uh, smash up the belt. And Kazarian's there too to help. And this storyline's really weird, and I don't really know who's supposed to be a babyface and who's supposed to be a heel. And I kind of hate it all. I don't think they know either, and now they're just stuck. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, and that takes us to our main event as Brian Danerson and John Moxley take on Dante Martin and Matt Seidel. And it was good. I liked it. Moxley with the paradigm shift, 12 minutes, five seconds. And that takes us away. And that was Rampage for the week. So that takes us to news and ratings. We can get into here. Uh, as mentioned, Anthony Bones is recovering from a, a knee surgery. Uh, it's very unfortunate. Uh, Tony Khan has applied a, for a trademark for the term Blood Moon Rising. Oh, no, thank you. So I don't know if this is like a pay-per-view or maybe like a dynamite concept show or something like that. But uh, I don't know when the next Blood Moon is either, but. Well, we'll didn't we that. just have one? Wasn't the um, because the the lunar eclipse it was also it was a blood moon. That's what the news told me. Oh well, then I don't know. Does that mean it's a long time until the next one? Probably. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Probably. I assume they don't just happen all the time. Uh, Dave Meltzer on Wrestling Observer Radio last week stated that a. Uh, Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti mixed tag team match is still internally on the books for Double or Nothing, which I guess means if they're going to do that, they'll have to set it up tomorrow night on Rampage because then they'll be out of chances if they don't. True. And I'm assuming, I guess, the main show, right? Like, or do you surprise us with the buy-in show or buy-in <sighs> match? I don't know. Tony Khan said that the buy-in was only going to be half an hour this this year. Um this time, so the Hookhausen match is probably, I don't know, that's probably not going to be too long, but they usually like to put a couple video packages in there, too, so I don't know. Maybe I would rather see it on the buy-in than another match stuffed into the pay-per-view. Yeah, same. Uh, Rampage ratings for last week, with the show airing at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Friday night's AEW Rampage average, how many viewers do you think, Megan? What do you think? What do you think this time? <sighs> I know I know you're, I know you're, uh, you're, bot- you're like, you're bottom of the barrel like i'm really worried uh is when these time shifted shows drop below three hundred thousand. so what do you think okay so it's better it's better than 5 30 yeah i was gonna say 7 p.m is a more normal time so i'm gonna bump up to like four hundred thousand. Four hundred ten thousand viewers wow. um, up 20 percent from last week uh and a 0.15 in the 18 to 49 which is up 25 percent from last week so That's their best rating in the 18 to 49 since April 22nd, and it was 13th for the day on cable. Okay. Eventually they'll get their groove back. Yeah. Uh, We're going to be seeing a lot of Kyle O'Reilly in the next few years. He did an appearance on something called the Toddcast Podcast, which I have no idea what that is. Toddcast Podcast? The Toddcast Podcast. But on it, he did uh, reveal that he had signed a five-year contract when he joined the company uh, in December 2021. 
and he said uh basically it came up because the guy asked him what is his what's his like where does he see his wrestling career in five years or what where does he see himself he says well i will be in aw because that's how long i signed for <laughs> is it weird for him to to say that like is it weird to put that out there i don't know i mean no, I, I don't think there's anything like occasionally WWE wrestlers will say like we'll let the term like the, the, the limit of their the time limit of their contracts. mean, nobody ever talks money figures, but. OK, OK. Tony Khan has a plan for the double or nothing main event. If the Boston Celtics versus Miami Heat series goes to a game seven on Sunday night. Khan appeared on the AEW Unrestricted podcast this morning and spoke about what he will do if the pay-per-view runs head-to-head with the game. He says, if we were to go to a Game 7, we have a contingency plan. Because, first of all, we'll get it started with the live pay-per-view broadcast, probably just before that game would tip off. But I don't care if it goes long. Even if it went to overtime, I'm planning ahead. I promise Hangman Page versus CM Punk for the World Championship, they're not going to go to the ring until after Game 7. No. If there is a Game 7. No. No. Jenny looks horrified. No! <laughs> No, Tony, don't do this to us. If if there is a game seven, about what time does a would a basketball game in that spot last? Like like how long do basketball games generally go? Like the whole broadcast, probably about three hours. Okay, what so time that was that game start. Would it start typically? Um, I can tell you exactly when it would be scheduled to start. If it so as long as it starts around eight thirty. Okay, so that I don't think that puts us too far off where the main event usually ends up. Eleven thirty potential start time. Yeah. Start time of eleven thirty. Yes. Potentially, probably a little bit later because I would think that there's probably going to be a lot of commercials if it's a game seven final. I don't know. That no, Tony, you cannot do this to us. And like, who's gonna buy? A whole pay-per-view for one match. Like, who's going to spend the whole time watching the NBA playoff and then at 11.30 or a quarter till midnight decides, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and spend that $60 on a pay-per-view to watch one match? I don't know. I'm just reporting what the man said. Jenny, I feel like you're not the typical pay-per-view audience member because, you know, if you buy the pay-per-view, you can watch the one match and then watch the rest of it the next day. Sure. I just think if you're choosing the NBA get game over the pay-per-view, you're probably not going to pay for the pay-per-view. That's because that's what you're spoilers. doing for the night, right? Yeah. And that's what you, you've chosen. You're like, hey, I'm watching this basketball game for free. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you can see the results. You're going to get a ton of clips on, the, you know, the gram and stuff. Yeah. You don't need to watch the pay-per-view. And I don't need to wait for you to finish watching what you've chosen for the night before I can begin what I've chosen for the night. I shouldn't be punished. All right. Uh, Tony Khan did his big media call uh, for Double or Nothing today and just got some bullet points provided by the fine folks at F4WOnline.com about what some of what he covered. Uh, he said Double or Nothing has done $1.1 million in ticket sales. Uh, he didn't specifically commit to September's All Out for the Now Arena in Hoffman State Estates, Illinois, but said he wants to keep the tradition of the pay-per-view staying in and around the Chicago area. 
He says there's no update on ROH returning to weekly TV, but Khan said he just continues to have good talks with Warner Brothers Discovery about that and how to expand AEW. He said he would like to get weekly TV and a return to pay-per-view going soon. He was asked about MJF, including his contract status in promos and in his Wardlow feud. He said wrestling is more interesting when real life is included on screen and talked about free agency being such a big thing in the 90s. He didn't address anything specific about their negotiations. He was asked about his relationship with Warner Brothers Discovery post-merger and assurances about the future. Khan says he has got great feedback from the company and was honored and blessed that they are throwing AEW a party next week in L.A. post-Dynamite. He called it a big deal, incredibly reassuring, and that some of the top executives in all WB Discovery will be there. Khan thought it made sense for CM Punk to face top wrestlers when he started and not be rushed into the AEW world title scene so he could work his way up. He said Hangman Page's road to the title was very similar. He made it sound like the Owen Hart Foundation tournament will be a yearly event. Fans will learn on Sunday what each tournament winner will receive, which I think we may have spec- we may have said last week were like title belts. Yeah. Um, Khan talked about the importance of streaming as a new revenue stream and has been talking with Warner Brothers Discovery as a partner on doing that. He said he bought Ring of Honor uh, personally and not under AEW due to circumstance, price and opportunity, and that he wants them to be their own standalone brand. Okay. And that is anything anything from there pique your interest, Megan? Um, the whole ROH thing, I guess, because I'm still, I don't, you know, know anything about who was in it when it sort of declined and then got bought. But I'm curious to see how it turns out and and how separate it is from AEW. I don't know. And just like how regularly they're going to actually put together shows if it does end up being weekly. That seems like a lot for Tony Khan. Quite a bit, yes. Uh, finally, before we get to Dynamite uh, recap, let's talk Dynamite ratings. Wednesday's Double or Nothing Go Home edition of AEW Dynamite averaged 929,000 viewers on TBS, up slightly from last week. Best audience for the show since April 20th. Dynamite finished six on the cable charts in 18 to 49, drawing a .35 rating in that category, up 6% from last week. Also the best number for the show since April 20th as NBA and NHL playoff coverage dominated the cable charts yesterday. So I think in a couple weeks, we're probably going to be back to like 1 million viewers, 0.4 ratings for, uh, for dynamite pretty regularly. Excellent. I would like to settle back into how dynamite is supposed to work. Mm -hmm. Just enjoy that. And maybe rampage at its normal time. Not that I ever watch it at its normal time, but give them a fighting chance yeah yeah totally all right megan let's do that dynamite all right that dynamite is happening in the Michelob ultra arena in las vegas of course a beer company has an arena in vegas uh we open the show with kind of a big deal it's the cage match the steel cage match that is Wardlow's last hoop to jump through before he can get that match against MJF at double or nothing and to do that he also must defeat the chair pervert Sean Spears in this match while contending against the fact that MJF is the ref which is you know just not good for him um and if the deck wasn't stacked against him enough already MJF is also 
charged with uncuffing Wardlow at the beginning of the match, but uh, in a callback to his match, uh, MJF's match against CM Punk, he pats himself down and just can't find that damn key. And so <laughs> Wardlow enters the cage and starts the match with handcuffs still on, and um, at no point does MJF ever release him, but he finds a way. Uh, and, you know, lots of stuff happens in this match. It's really, really fun, but against all odds, you know, Wardlow manages to persevere and get the win over over Sean Spears. He gives him the powerbomb symphony with the last powerbomb being on one of the metal chairs Sean Spears is in love with. Um, And yeah, Wardlow gets to fight MJF at double or nothing. So thank God that card, you know, remains solid. What do you think? Oh, very fun match. Absolutely. Really set the table for Sunday night. Yeah, it's a. Uh... Um, Go ahead. I'm Jen. really looking forward to this. This I've really enjoyed this storyline, and I can't wait for this uh, Sunday match. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was a. Uh, I thought they handled the MJF being the ref really well too, because he just didn't even try to pretend. He just full on attacked Wardlow and uh, even low blowed him at one point. So. It was a lot to overcome, and I thought it made Wardlow look very cool. He low-blowed him, but he would not lie about not counting to three. No. <laughs> that was too That was too far. Too far. Well, he... Do you know what I'm he, talking about? He lied down when Wardlow got the pin, but he counted for... He tried to count to three for Sean Spears. I know. He should have just lied. He's the official. Yeah. It's like he went fast, but it's like, well, why don't you just say you did three? Yeah. So, whatever. The point is, we're the rules, so pretty excited. Um, But yeah, after that match, we, uh, well, after the match, Wardlow also did his thing where he wiped out AEW security. He tried to come get him in the cage, and uh, and then he climbed on top of the cage. Just all around, looking like a badass. But after all that, we go backstage where the Jericho Appreciation Society are walking through the halls, uh, threatening to show the Blackpool Combat Club uh, and all their friends how violent the JAS can be. And they happen upon a poor, innocent stagehand who is wearing a Moxley shirt, doing nothing but looking at his clipboard, and uh, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand start to menace him for this. And then Jericho just throws a fireball in this man's face. I mean, I know he's a wrestler, but presumably you're just tossing fireballs at uh, people trying to do their damn job. So Jericho, calm down. Why does he keep doing this fireball thing? Because he's a wizard. But he's not a wizard. <laughs> well, he says he's a wizard. You're a wizard, Jericho. Yeah, he's just uh, he's threatening people left and right too on commentary to throw fireballs at them. So I, I guess this kind of is proving that he'll he'll do it. Damn it. But, yeah, that poor guy didn't deserve it. Um, so, uh, after that, we've got Tony Schiavone going to the ring to introduce CM Punk and Adam Page to have their face-to-face confrontation uh, before their match. Um, CM Punk comes out first. He's wearing a very cool Misfits parody shirt that says Mutants and has a zombie Wolverine on it. Thoroughly enjoyed. Um, Hangman comes out next, and he has a cool new vintage looking shirt that's uh hangman's ranch i couldn't see what the details said but thought it was very like summer cap summer camp in like the 70s so fun for him 
Um, Punk gets to speak first, and he takes a calm, measured tone. He says he's grateful for the fans and where he is today, and he plans to uh, walk in the challenger and leave the champion on Sunday at Double or Nothing. Adam responds to this with a lot more attitude and says he's uh, he's already told Punk how Sunday's going to go. He's going to destroy him. Um, to which Punk, again, very diplomatically just says, I think you're taking this way too personally. It's all business. Um, no big deal, bud. So Adam takes Mike from Tony, and now he's fired up, and he says that he was planning to destroy, annihilate, and embarrass Punk, but he wants to clarify that he didn't mean a double or nothing. He meant tonight, but he's decided against it. He was going to drop his own pipe bomb, if you will, and he thought about it and said he's he doesn't think fighting Punk's hatred and cowardice and pettiness with the same energy would do anything for him, so... Instead, he lets him know that he doesn't hate Punk, he pities him, because he implies that Punk doesn't walk the talk. And rather than defending his championship from Punk, he will be defending AEW from Punk. So, strong words. Um, But again, Punk keeps his stance of uh, all business and just says, like, cool, man, win, lose, or draw, I'm going to respect you. Um, he also tells him where to remember where he came from, like who paved the way for him and for AEW in general, and that you know, obviously implying himself. And then he insists that Hangman shake his hand, and when Hangman refuses, Punk goads him into punching him, and then Hangman gets very frustrated when he realizes what happened and stalks away backstage. And Punk is left on the ground, but looking pretty satisfied with himself. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure what Hangman was on about. He seemed really uh, fired up from the start. Yeah, and he said, like, you talk about workers' rights, and yeah. but, like, you don't do that. And I'm like, what? Is this in reference? Did something happen? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he is, he is a, you know, he is a, a Colt Cabana associate. Oh, well, that would be a weird, subtle jab, but okay. What does that mean? Punk and Cabana had a big fallout falling out. Well, no, I know that, but what did you mean by Col- Colt Cabana associate? Like Hangman, they're in the you know they're both Dark Order people. Oh, or at least friends through the Dark Order. Maybe that's it. Yeah, I was I was worried something bad had gone down, but. Whatever. Uh, Hangman is uh, fired up and ready to go. So I think that match is going to be really good, even if we have to wait until 1130 to watch it on Sunday. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I wish the I wish this last promo had been a little more clear. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we move on from that to a, a very clear promo. It's a video promo, though. Um it is from Jade Cargill and Anna Jay who are talking about their match coming up at Double or Nothing. Um, we see that Anna was the one who came to rescue Chris Statlander on Rampage uh, when Jade and the baddies came for her. Um, Jade said she doesn't think that Anna deserves another chance against her because she's already beaten her once. And I think that's all it takes. Um, and Anna says, you know, like, since... That match happened very, very long ago. She has learned from different people on the roster, and she's she's grown, and she's ready to try again. So she'll be going after that TBS championship at Double or Nothing. 
Um, I, it couldn't have been that long because Jade's, I don't know. When did Jade debut? Last year? Was that in the tournament that they wrestled or? Um, I think so. Because I don't think there was any reason for them to cross paths otherwise, unless Anna responded to Jade's open challenge at one point. It was January 21st. So okay, I guess it was four months ago. Yeah. Hmm. It feels like longer than it was, I guess. Um, but yeah. So should be interesting. I don't know that I believe Jade's going to lose her title, but we'll see. See what Anna Jay can do. After that, our next match is Eddie Kingston and John Moxley taking on Private Party with uh, Jericho joining the commentary, as well as the entire Jericho Appreciation Society standing behind him at the table. Um, Regal is also there in his usual spot, palling it up with Excalibur, which is just so fun. Love it so much. Mm -hmm. Um, Jericho tries to pick at Regal throughout the match while they're on commentary and even probably uh, threatens to throw fire at him. Um, But, you know, nothing happens with them. Regal knows how to handle him. And uh, the match itself felt like a sprint to me for this one. Um, It wasn't like Young Buck's pace, but it literally just never stopped, including when we went to Picture in Picture. It's just like still a lot of things happening. Um, And finally, Moxley is the one who gets the pin on Isaiah Cassidy doing the paradigm shift. But like Eddie is right next to him with Mark Quinn in a hold. And Mark Quinn is tapping out the whole time. So, you know, like, nice tandem win there. Um, And then after that, like, immediately, Jericho leads the charge to the ring with the rest of the JAS to um, attack them. And Regal just goes, I don't think I need to participate in this (laughs) and stays seated. Um, Maybe it's because he knew that uh, Santana and Ortiz and Danielson were all going to run out. And they did. And chaos ensued. Yep. So fun match. Very fun match. Um, poor private party. They're just there to get beat up. But Danielson also uh is was like nursing his leg that uh I'm assuming Kayfabe last uh week on Rampage, Jake Hager was supposedly responsible for harming after the, the cameras cut out. Yep, so very Kayfabe. Okay. Good. Cause I was like, Danielson, no. <laughs> Okay, so after that, we get a video package for the Own Heart Championship Tournament um, because we've got two, the remaining two semifinal matches tonight uh, as the co-headliner for the main event. Um, we hear from the men's and women's semifinalists who will all be competing. It's Britt Baker versus Tony Storm, followed by Kyle O'Reilly versus Mojo. Joe. But that is our co-main event, so we'll get to that when it happens. Um for right now, we go back to the ring where Rapungi Vice is challenging FTR for the ROH World Tag Team Championships. Uh, we've got Caprice Coleman joining commentary because uh, I don't remember the specifics, but he's part of ROH and he's completely hyped to be here. He's got a ton of energy and not in like in a bad way, just like, man, he seems excited. Um, the match itself is good, but like, unfortunately, the end is not definitive for either team because Jeff Cobb and someone named the great Ocon, I want to say show up to spoil things. They had another con in this wrestling business. (laughs) Too many cons. Um, 
yeah, they uh they beat everyone up. I don't think they actually had like a specified target. They just wiped out everyone in the ring and then they grabbed those orange tag titles and held them high above their heads as if they had earned them. The Great Ocon managed to blow two spots in like 90 seconds. It was very impressive. He oh, he did. I was I was like, "Oh no, is he is he just nervous?" I don't know. I did like, see footage of him like living it up on the strip in Vegas uh, last night, though. So I'm glad he's enjoying himself. Oh Lord, okay. <laughs> well, had a couple of, had a couple of handfuls. You know what I'm talking about. Oh <laughs> my goodness, Ocon. Think of like coins from the uh, no ladies, slot. ladies, luscious asses. He's having a hook night, you know. Yeah. Oh my God, Hook was unleashed in Vegas. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Oh Lord. Okay. <laughs> Good luck, ladies out there. Um. Yeah. Okay. So that happened. So nobody wins. Technically. No first um, first double DQ in the history of elite wrestling. Yeah. Hopefully the last. <laughs> yeah, because it's like it was kind of I don't know. It was unexpected, but not in a good way. I think. I would have rather see the end of the match, but okay. Um, after that, we get to hear from the Hardys. Uh, they talk about how they have a lot in common with the Young Bucks, namely that they all grew up good Christian boys. Um, at this point, Jeff Hardy does what I can only believe has become some sort of tick. He puts his hand together in the prayer motion and does a little like, yeah. And like he does it so often, I'm like, we get it. You're Christian. <laughs> Calm down. Maybe that sounds very mean, but I don't know. It's funny how much he does it. Um, but anyway, Matt is the one talking here, and he says that, you know, they're very similar, but the difference is that the Hardys are the original and the Young Bucks are just co- cosplayers of them. They just want to be them. So um, Matt <laughs> says, we're not in our prime. We're in our overtime. And I was like, yes, indeed. And then... Uh. Jeff was like, it's AEW is my clean slate. Uh, you know, this is going to be our best run. And I was like, oh, sir. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. So they have high hopes and they, um, they say they're, they're ready to beat the bucks at double or nothing. We shall see. I mean, good luck, I guess. <laughs> I like Matt's, um, new, del- uh, the delete shirt. Yes. It's a, parody of uh, the old elite shirts yeah he even said you're the elite and we're the delete mm-hmm. so they've got their whole gimmick going so we'll see uh i had then, uh i had correspondence with a friend of the show amanda about that promo oh do tell because she uh, has a uh, hardy boys thoughts right she said matt hardy pretty good promo jeff hardy takes it down a few notches Matt Hardy, we were better than you as babies. Promo saved. I mean, like, she nailed it. As babies or as baby faces? No, I think it's babies. Like as babies, little babies. Like, like hmm. little crawling around babies. Like they achieved babiness better. Like, or, or like they were, when they were babies, they were better than they are now. Or just like babies versus babies. I don't know. I don't honestly. I don't remember the line from the promo. Amanda might have like dreamed it. No, I think she's right, but I, I don't think her. they could do babies versus babies because the age difference too different. 
you know, they they couldn't meet in the ring as babies. They were babies at different times. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like 30 years apart. Yep. How old do you think the Hardys are? It feels like they're 30 years apart. (laughs) I know they're probably only 15, but it feels like 30. How old do you... How old do you think they are, just out of curiosity? I'm guessing 60. No, you're not. (laughs) You don't think the Hardys are 60. I do think the Hardys are 60. Are they not 60? I thought they were the same age as Sting. (sighs) Jenny. Okay. Okay. Both of them are 60? Yes. I've been trying trying to, like, motor us through this show. But but I've got to stop here. Okay. Matthew Hardy is 47 years old. Pretty far away from 60s. Jeff Hardy is 44 years old. That's a rough 44. Well, it's a very rough 44. <laughs> He's had a really fucking hard life. <laughs> but I'm just saying, that's a far cry from 60. Like, I they, do not believe, I think he might be lying about his age like Lindsay does on Summer House, who's clearly not 35. All right. Okay, okay right, I'm going to go up, with still not 60s, though. Okay. <laughs> Next up, we've got the three-man match between Sir Strickland, uh, Ricky Starks, and Jungle Boy. Um, you know why this match was great? Was it because Ricky Starks is great? <laughs> well, he is great, but no, that's I mean that's it helped. But no, the reason this match was great is because unlike a lot of three-way matches you see, they actually came up with spots for the three of them to do together. So it wasn't just like two different singles matches happening at the same time. That's true. That that was, I didn't feel like there was that lull where it was like, like, oh, now you go to the outside and never show up. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 whenever I see three-way matches like that, I always like think like, what was, why did, why is this a three-way? Like, what is the point of this? But these, these guys they actually came up with some cool stuff to do together. Like that chicken fight spot at the beginning. Yeah. 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 I, yeah, I loved how like Swerve and Jungle Boy were like, yeah, you want to you wanna do this? Okay, we'll work together. And then Ricky Starks was like, oh, hell no. And he just like rolled out of the ring and was like, I beat both of them. I'll just be out here. I was like, okay, that's really clever. Yeah. And the fact that uh, I thought Jenny would appreciate that even though Jungle Boy and Swerve teamed up, they also took advantage of when Ricky Starks was out of the ring to fight each other. So it wasn't like just blind teaming. It was like, We'll just do it until we need to. So, strategic. Um, but I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was a lot of fun. And uh, Swerve gets to pin Ricky. Um, so yeah. Jungle Boy wasn't even... Jungle Boy, the catalyst for the match, was not even involved in the finish. Mm-mm. But, you know, good stuff. Um, and they pointed out that, you know, if Jungle Boy and his partner aren't involved in the finish on Sunday... They can lose those tag team titles without even being pinned. It's true. It's true. Um, I mean, speaking of his partner, like after the match, Powerhouse Hobbs immediately showed up and started to like beat people up. And then Luchasaurus, God help him. He, uh, I want to say ran, but it was more like a slow trot to the match or to the ring. Um, And then Keith Lee eventually walked out and it was like Keith Lee was like the parent coming in. Everybody just kind of stopped and was like, all right, Keith Lee's here. And then all the big guys had kind of a moment where they stood and looked at each other and then uh, he fought a little bit. But ultimately, Keith Lee, Keith Lee got him. Keith Lee's the 
the I don't know intimidating winner <laughs> I guess of all the big guys. Keith Lee got him. Keith Lee got him. So we'll see how this uh, tag team trio thing turns out at double or nothing. Um, after that, we get to hear from Dan Lambert and Men of the Year. And I guess like part of the reason they had Sammy destroy the old TNT championship was because maybe they wanted to replace the belt anyway. And so storyline wise, Dan Lambert is like, hi, I run a fighting gym. I understand how to get belts. Um, so he has ordered Scorpio a new TNT title belt that he will be pre- presenting to him Friday on Rampage. So uh, I guess we'll see a new design unless he was really boring and just got the same one. Who knows? He has his belt people on it. Um, Man, they really like to make new versions of the TNT title. I mean, it's kind of fun because it's like, that's a belt that gets, you know, believably goes from person to person. And so, you know, switch it up a little bit sometimes. I like it. I hope they don't show up with just like the second one that Dan Lambert had in his gym. Or was supposed to. I don't think I don't think he ever took it to his gym. Didn't um, didn't he give it to Ethan Page instead? He was wearing it for a while. I don't know if he gave it to Ethan or not. I can't remember what happened to it. But I hope I hope they just come up with like a different design because that's fun. But we'll see. Um, after that, Tony Schiavone is out on the stage and he invites Thunderosa out to respond to Serena's outburst last week. I don't think it goes well. Uh, she is still a little rough around the edges with promos, and the content of her promo was basically, um, Serena, it's your fault that your career is bad, not um, the system that made you make questionable cosmetic changes and all the tough stuff you have to fight through, which I was like, all right, don't pin women against women, and um, maybe don't undermine the fact that there are systematic, systematic uh, sexist issues in not just wrestling, but all all places. So that was I, I didn't love. I thought it. it was pretty. In, I thought it was pretty inspiring to hear Thunder Rosa stand up for WWE like that. Ugh. I was so mad, and I think the crowd was a little like, "Uh, are we supposed to cheer for this?" Well, I don't think so. So tough times for poor Thunder. But yeah, um, but we'll see how she does against Serena. Uh, after that. Tony Schiavone is backstage and he's talking to Red Velvet about her loss to Chris Statlander and she says I should have been the one to go on to face Ruby Soho it's not fair and Ruby stops by because she heard her name so Red Velvet's like hey I lost but listen here's this notebook full of all of Chris Statlander's weaknesses uh you should use it to beat her and then she leaves which is, is very nice of her to as a heel to just give a cheat sheet um but she does, and Ruby is just like, I don't really need this. Uh, also, the Chris Statlander I'm facing this, you know, this week is going to be different than the one I faced a while back because Chris Statlander has, you know, gone through a change. Um, so she just tosses the notebook and is like, I got this. Yeah. So we'll we'll see the uh, semifinal match I, between those two on Rampage. I thought that match was happening on last night's show until like the last 30 minutes of the show. And I realized like, wait, they can't squeeze three Turner matches. 
Yeah, I kept thinking, like, I forgot that there was the second women's one and also, I guess, the men's. I was like, is this the end? I th- I don't know. I was, like, lost as to how many were left. But, yeah, that one on Rampage is the official last one. Yeah. So. And the second to last one of the women's, anyway, is what's next. It's a it's the match between Britt Baker and Tony Storm. Um Britt wins through cheating. And it was a fine match, but I thought maybe also not as good as Tony Storm's match against Jamie Hayter. I believe that. I didn't actually see any of this match um because I was I was tearing down our uh, our patio setup uh at that for those like 7 minutes. But uh, I did see the interference spot at the end, and I kind of liked it. It, it. Like, assuming it wasn't just a screw-up, I think I think it was Jamie Hayter just, like, not very enthusiastically helping Britt. Yeah, I, I could see that. I don't really... I don't really know what Jamie Hayter's going for here, because... She, well, she rolls her eyes a lot when Britt says things, and mm-hmm. she she kind of like, you know, she, I think I think they're definitely setting up a split between those two. It seemed like she was angrier at Britt for a while there, and then like it just resolved itself, and then now she's like back to rolling her eyes more. So I get I guess her level of anger or like resentment towards Britt to be has like kind of been uneven, but. Mm-hmm. I totally would believe that she's like ready to betray her because I don't think Jamie Hader really wants to be bossed around by Brit. I mean, who does except Revel? She loves it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Brit won. Tony looked devastated. Um, I assume there'll be some sort of revenge sometime in the future. Could be. Could be. So, uh, and finally, the last match of the night is the men's uh, Owen Hart Championship semifinal between Kyle O'Reilly and Samoa Joe. Um, this, match, this match ripped. Hell yeah. Uh, as JR would say, it's a real slobber docker. Um, mm. Kyle's not little, but he's little compared to Joe, but he is scrappy. And Joe is also just like really strong. And that combination was fun to watch. Crowd was kind of quiet at, at, at the opening couple minutes, but they got super into it by the end, which is the hallmark of a great match. Yes. They were beating the hell out of each other. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Joe, ultimately, was the one who, who got the win. He, But he had to do a rear naked choke, and Kyle did not tap. He passed out, because that is how a strong person loses. The, yeah, that is how a strong person <laughs> loses. Don't give up. You lose oxygen until you can't be conscious anymore. <laughs> so that sets up Joe versus uh, Adam Cole mm-hmm. for the pay-per-view, who joined us uh, to kind of close out the show. A little bit of a stare down between those two gentlemen. Yeah, and of course you have to do the baby when the crowd is like, yeah, baby. This is a first time ever matchup between those two, actually, which I, I was surprised by because I thought that maybe they would have had some crossover either – when Joe went back to Ring of Honor right before he went to NXT or when he went to NXT, uh, but apparently not. Yeah, that's I think, so I think weird. They were there, 
I think they were there at the same time a little bit, but I, I guess they just never got paired up. That's, I would have thought. They were both heels, I guess. That, that, that kind of makes sense now that I think about it. I would have thought Ring of Honor would have been more likely, but that they would have. Yeah. Joe, Joe was back in Ring of Honor for such a short time before he signed his WWE deal that, uh, like he he wrestled O'Reilly one time. Like they got they did a Joe O'Reilly match in that in that short little run. But uh, but they did they probably would have gotten around to Cole. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's well, that's fun. Then we're getting like a first time thing. That's yeah. exciting. Very exciting. And that's dynamite. So, Hell yeah. Gosh, we got a couple things left. We have to do. Uh, so first of all, let's get into. Predictions because we got a pay per view this weekend, which means it's champagne bet season. And I am going to read these matches off and we're going to make picks because that's how this works. Hell yeah. All right, guys. Hookhausen versus Tony Nice and Smart Mark Sterling. Jenny. Hookhausen. Megan. Hookhausen. Okay, I also pick Hookhausen. All right, Jade Cargill versus Anna J. Jenny. Jade. Megan. Jade. The streak is too think? strong. <laughs> uh, House of Black versus Death Triangle. Oh. Right? <laughs> I'm... Oh, I feel like it has to be House of Black. Otherwise, they just need to stop it. All right, Megan. I'm going to go with House of Black because I like them. Not not as cynical as Jenny. Okay. What did you go with? Um, I went with Hookhausen, Jade, and Death Triangle so far. Okay. Got a difference. Okay. Young Bucks versus the Hardys. Oh, God. Jenny. I'm going to go with the Bucks. All right. Megan? I am too, but I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. I went with the Hardys. Shit. Uh, BCC and Associates versus the Jericho Appreciation Society. Jenny? Blackpool Rebel Club Motorcycle. All right. And Megan? BCC, for sure. I also want BCC. Wardlow versus MJF. Jenny? I remember the the stakes are, are the stakes. The stakes are Wardlow can never sign an AEW contract if he loses. Okay. Well, I mean they've done that shit before though and still like figured a way. I'm gonna go with Wardlow because that's I'm gonna pick with my heart. Okay. Megan. I'm gonna go with Wardlow because the arena will riot if he loses to MJF. And we are three for three there, as I also go with Wardlow. Uh Chris uh Chris Statlander or Ruby Soho versus Britt Baker DMD. Unfortunately, we we don't have the full match for that because it's not until tomorrow. And we don't have the full idea of like what they get, right? Because it's it's harder when it's not like, oh, a shot at the title or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm presuming you should be you should be ranked pretty goddamn high if you win like an eight person tournament, though. You should. Yeah. I don't know how the rankings work. Jenny, what do you think? Britt or Ruby or Chris? 
Megan, do you have an answer ready? You know what? I'm going to go Chris. Okay. I don't know why, but I'm doing it. All right. Jenny, back to you. For the record, I picked Ruby Soho. So in a way, we both picked not Brit. It's like, because we don't know. And one of us is going to know that we're wrong tomorrow. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Jenny's really having she's, she's struggle city over here. Going through all the meth, all the permutations. She's gotten good at wrestle math in the last year, and she's it's breaking her brain. Should we move I, on and come back to it? I, yeah, I think I'm going to go with Ruby. Okay. Just because Britt had such a long run with the women's tie. Like, I, I feel like someone else needs a little bit of a push, and I don't have the confidence in Chris Statlander. Okay. Uh, Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe. I'm going to Samoa Joe. Okay. Jenny says Cole. Megan says Joe. I also picked Joe. Okay. Tag team titles. Jurassic Express versus Team Taz versus uh, Swerve and uh, Keith Lee. Who's on Team Taz? Hobbs and Starks. I'm going to go Taz. Whoa. She actively picked picked the team that has the FTW title. Well, I'm hoping they can just fucking get rid of that thing and stop talking (laughs) about it. I also picked Team Taz. I'm picking uh, Swerve and Keith Lee. Swerve and Keith. Okay. Uh, Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb. Women's Thunder. title. Okay. Megan? Oh, man. I kind of want to pick Serena. I'm going to pick Serena. Okay. I picked Thunder Rosa. And I'm finally, just wrecking my brackets here. Our main event of the evening. Hangman Adam Page defends the AEW title against CM Punk. CM Punk. Megan? Punk. Make it three for three. I also pick CM Punk. So. All right. It'll be interesting. Uh, and I, of course, going to reach out to our uh, vast network of uh, prediction associates and fill out our, our contest here. But uh, the only real contest is between the three of us, of course. True. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I like to have the other picks as well. You're going to get Jay's picks too, right? Yeah, he's. I, I wrote his name down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's a correspondent. He has to get in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. So we of course have our big last big segment here at the end, but I just want to say we uh, will be back on Monday with a uh, double or nothing post show. Uh, at some point during that day, we will record it. <laughs> Depending on when we record it, it might not come out until Tuesday morning, but that's fine. Uh, and then on Thursday, a week from today, uh, for the AEW Dynamite debut in California, in Los Angeles at the Forum, uh, we'll be joined by Justin Shapiro to recap that show and everything going on that week. Exciting. Hell Very yeah. Exciting. All right, guys. Best time of the week. 
Billy Beat plug of the week. Megan, why don't you go first? All right. Um, I'm recommending or plugging Moon Knight on Disney+. Plus. It's a oh. Marvel show. I had not heard of Moon Knight prior to this, um, but it's got Oscar Isaac in it. So I'll watch it. And can I just say all, uh, you know, of my Oscar Isaac loving aside, he does an amazing performance with what he has to do. And I can't describe it very much because Moon Knight, if you don't know what it is, then you should just go in blind. And I don't want to spoil too much, but it's trippy and I love it. Um, I have not finished it, but thoroughly enjoying what I've seen so far. Awesome. Uh, my pick for this week is also found on Disney plus it is the Chippendales rescue Rangers movie, which is a wonderful little, uh, CGI plus animation plus like live action, uh, film that stars Andy Samberg and John Mulaney as the voices of the eponymous chip and Dale. And uh, it is a technically a sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So take that for what you will. Wow. Yeah. All right. Jenny. I dipped my toe back into the K-dramas this week. Mm -hmm. And uh, I watched my first first love, which was a nice little little show. Um, It really reminded me of romance is a bonus book so which i had also (laughs) very much enjoyed this one was a little bit strange um it was broken up into two seasons but each season had eight episodes so i'm not sure if that was like a break in filming due to covid or something but um i didn't even look up the dates to see like if that would have been possible it all came out in 2019 oh okay well I'm not sure why I was broken into two seasons on Netflix, but maybe because they gave the main character guy a different hair style in the second eight episodes, even though they all came out at the same time. But uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was enjoyable. Awesome. OK, so that is Moon Knight on Disney Plus, Chippendales Rescue Rangers on Disney Plus and my first first love on the netflix <laughs> and megan i have been listening to your recommendation from last week all week Yay. of the dead eyes podcast i've been enjoying it great it is very fun i was also inspired to re-listen to uh dead eyes when i when when i realized that i did not remember that john ham had been on the show because it was way back on the second episode in 2019 so yeah i was gonna say literally been, it was right at the beginning i mainlining it and i am on episode 24 oh my god yeah i'm on episode 11 okay yeah megan what episode are you on uh i forget i feel like probably not as far as you because i can't listen to it when i work because it messes up my typing you know because listening i've been behind on podcasts because of that because it's hard to concentrate on actual like things you have to yeah. think about so i think i'm on like episode nine okay yeah it's very good though yeah i like i that skipped episode. one episode the one about well, Harry the masturbator. Like, yeah i made it through like seven minutes of the masturbator one and i'm like i cannot hear them 
talk about this anymore and I just skipped the episode. It's pretty funny. It's not dirty like the way you'd expect from that title. No, but I think the concept of like of that scene and role potentially being in that movie is just that's I don't know. I was not that's where everybody fell on it, basically. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's not in the movie. Yeah, but like when they were talking about it, they were like being like they're like, well, that'd be funny. And it's like, no, it's not really. <laughs> okay. Well, that's Dead Eyes again. Uh, big recommendation for that. I'd say, Megan, that was a very good pick. It's enriched. Yes. It has enriched both of our weeks. Yay. All right. Well, uh, I guess from here, I'll just say enjoy Double or Nothing. It's coming up. We don't get very many of these pay-per-views uh, every year. So have fun with this one. Enjoy, enjoy your holiday weekend, everybody. And... For Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening to the Elite Beat. Elite Beat. E-E-Elite Beat.